وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ أَيْقَاضًا And if you were to see them, then you would think them to be awake. أَيْقَاض is a plural of يَقِض. يَا قَافْضَ يَا with the فَتْحَ يَقِض. And يَقِض is a person who is awake. If you saw them laying in the cave, you would think that they're awake. وَهُمْ رُقُودٌ While they were in reality sleeping. رُقُودٌ is a plural of رَاقِد. Who is رَاقِد? The person who is sleeping. Yarqud is a person who sleeps a lot. Like a lot. Yarqud. Is anyone Yarqud here? Right now is there any Yarqud? I hope not. Because you shouldn't be sleeping here. So anyway, so if a person were to see these men sleeping in the cave, he would think that, oh, these guys are awake. They seemed awake. They looked awake. However, in reality, they were sleeping. Why would it look like that? Because وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ We were turning them ذَاتَ الْيَمِينَ To their right وَذَاتَ shimal And to their left. Meaning they were being made to toss and turn to their right and to their left constantly in their sleep. وَكَلْبُهُمْ And their dog بَاسِطٌ بَاسِط It had outstretched. بَسَطَ Is to spread out. The dog had spread out ذِرَاعَيْهِ His four legs his arms, okay, bil wasid, at the entrance. Wasid is from the root letters wasadal, and wasid is the doorstep, the entrance. Wasad is to close something, because when you close a room, you close the entrance, right? Mu'sada, alayhim naru mu'sada. What is mu'sada? Locked up, closed, all right? Meaning the gates are closed, the doors are closed. So wasid is the entrance. So they had a dog as well. And this dog was sitting at the entrance of the cave and its arms, four legs, were stretched out. So it seems like the dog was not sleeping. And the men inside were sleeping, but they seemed to be awake. Allah says, لَوْ عَلَيْهِمْ If you were to look at them. اِطَّلَعَ طَالَ مَعِينَ Literally means to rise. And اِطَّلَعَ عَلَى Is to rise and look into something. Because when you want to have a good look at something, you need to look at it from above. So, لَوِذْ طَلَعْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ If you were to look at them, لَوَلَّيْتَ مِنْهُمْ You would have surely turned away from them, فِرَارًا Running away. Meaning you wouldn't stand there a moment. You would turn away and run. وَلَمُلِئْتَ And surely you would have been filled مِنْهُمْ From them, رُعْبًا In fear. Meaning you your entire body would be filled with fear of them. Generally what happens? The heart is full of fear. But Allah says, وَلَا مُلِئْتَ All of you would have been full of fear. In other words, if you were to stand at the mouth of the cave and look at them, look at their dog and look at these seven guys sleeping inside, you wouldn't stand there a moment. You would turn away and run. Because just imagine, in the middle of the mountains is a cave. And that cave is being guarded by a dog. And that dog is awake. And inside, you see seven men who seem to be awake. Seven men. I mean, who knows who they are? They could be robbers. They could be murderers or something. Right? Because who would go and live in a cave? Seven guys? Who would hide in a cave? And seven of them? So that entire scene was very scary. What does it show? That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected them. In this way as well. Because, you know, travelers, passers-by, they could have come, woken them up, 
right? Or stolen their money, or stolen their belongings. But anyone who even came near to the cave, when they saw it, they just ran away. I was just thinking how the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says He was constantly turning them on the side shows it's such a great mercy because imagine if you were just in one position for 300 years, your whole body would be stiff and... Stiff and sore, right? So, ذَلِكَ مِنْ آيَاتِ This is all of the miracles, alright? And this is amazing. And remember at the beginning of this incident, what did we learn? That you think this is amazing? It is amazing. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can do things which are far more amazing. Now, there is a quiz question for you. These guys had something at the entrance of the cave. What was it? It was a dog. And what was that dog doing? Guarding them. And repeatedly, it's referred to as kalbuhum, their dog. So it wasn't like a random dog that came from somewhere and just decided to sit there because these guys were nice. No. It was their dog. So what does that mean? I have a question for you. Is it allowed to keep a dog? Discuss amongst yourselves. Tell the person sitting next to you why you think it's okay to keep a dog and why you think it's not okay to keep a dog. And speak with evidence. Don't say, oh, dogs are so cute. Why not? So when you have your answer ready, raise your hand. MashaAllah. Yes. It is not okay, but these guys had a dog. Okay, as a guard dog. Okay, yes. Good, MashaAllah. Very good. Uh-huh. Okay. Now, let me tell you a hadith. There is a hadith in which we learn that the Prophet ﷺ said, angels do not enter a house in which there is a dog or there are pictures. So if there is a dog in your house, angels are not coming. Meaning angels of mercy. Hmm? Do you remember anywhere else in the Qur'an where we learned about having a dog? You've read it. Yes? Okay. That was an example. Any other mention? Where? What, what was the context? Yes, mukallibin, hunting dogs. So there is mention of hunting dogs, I mean having dogs for the purpose of hunting. Now over here there is a mention of a dog guarding uh, people. So this shows that as a general rule, as a general rule, having a dog is not permissible. Meaning buying it, paying money for it, you know, purchasing it, owning it, bringing it into your house, keeping it as a pet, as a general rule, it's not permissible. Because if a person keeps a dog, then you know what happens? Every day, every day, a qirat, you know, a good amount of reward is reduced from his record. Imagine good deeds are removed from your record. However, in a hadith we learn, there are certain exceptions the Prophet ﷺ said that whoever keeps a dog, except a dog for herding livestock, animals, like a shepherd dog, hunting or guarding the fields, all right, then these cases are permissible. 
But if a person keeps a dog for other than these reasons, then a qirat, and a qirat is like a mountain, will be deducted from his reward every day. This is a hadith in Sahih Muslim. Ibn Abdul Bar, he said that, in my view, the meaning of this hadith also includes keeping dogs if there is a purpose, a necessary reason in doing so. Or if there is a reason to keep a dog for the purposes of warding off any harm. Like for example, guarding a house. Okay? Now a guard dog over here, what does that mean? If you have a dog, you have to keep it indoors. Right? And alhamdulillah, we live in a place where we don't really need guard dogs like that. However, if it's a huge property, then in that it makes sense. If it's a huge property that's walled, and there is a risk of you know, people harming you, then in that case, of course, it's reasonable. Likewise, if there is a person who's blind or who's physically disabled and they need a dog to help them around or to guide them, that is permissible. However, even in that situation, the ulama have said that this work is not for dogs. It is for who? For human beings. As Muslims, we are supposed to do ihsan on our disabled Muslim brothers and sisters, relatives, friends. We should be kind towards such people and help them out and not leave them to the mercy of dogs. So if a person does not find anybody to help, to guide, then okay, having a dog for that reason is permissible. However, it's best that there's another human being that's helping them out. So you understand, as a general principle, not okay. However, if there's a genuine need, all right, guarding, searching, hunting, that's okay. Go ahead. What if you're at a park and a person walks with their dog and their dog is really friendly and it comes really close to you and you don't want to be rude but the dog comes and touches you, brushes by you. So then what do you do? Keep your abaya away from you, go home, take it off very carefully and throw it in the wash? What's the deal? Remember that a dog is not entirely unclean. The only thing that is unclean about a dog is its saliva. So if it comes and licks you, then yes, keep your hand away from your body, okay? And then wash it before you touch anything else. Alright? So remember that only the saliva is najis. The rest of the dog is not. However, if the dog comes and brushes against you and the dog is wet and you know your shoe or whatever becomes wet also, then you don't know if that is entirely water or something else. So it's best to uh, wash it off. So is it clear? Is it clear? Okay. Isn't it interesting that these men, they had a dog, and they were sleeping in the cave. Allah's special help, special mercy. And there's a dog at the entrance. Not inside with them, cuddling with them. No, at the entrance. And this dog is also benefiting. For 300 years, it's there. Imagine, for 300 years, the dog is there. He's also benefiting from company with the righteous. Ibn Kathir said that the dog was included in their blessing. So he slept as they slept in that situation. This is the benefit of keeping company with good people. So this dog was mentioned and was given status too. Just imagine. وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ And similarly, we awakened them. Meaning, just as we made them sleep, we also woke them up. 
Because a person can only sleep if Allah allows him to sleep. And he can only wake up if Allah allows him to wake up. Because sometimes you can, you know, lying in bed for so long and you're not able to sleep. And you want to get up, but you're not able to get up. So, وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ We woke them up, just as we made them sleep. لِيَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ Li, as a consequence, what happened? يَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ They asked each other. When they woke up, they asked one another. What? As to how long they had slept. Because it's normal, right? When you wake up and you wonder, how long have I been sleeping for? Did I sleep for two hours, three hours, the whole day, the whole night? What time is it? That's the first thing you do, right? When you wake up, you check, what time is it? Or you ask somebody, what time is it? So, يَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ They asked amongst themselves. قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ One of them said, a speaker among them said, كَمْ لَبِسْتُمْ How much did you remain here? Meaning, how long have you been sleeping? قَالُوا They said, others said, لَبِثْنَا يَوْمًا We've been here for a day, أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمْ Or part of a day. 300 years of sleep and they say, we've been sleeping for maybe one day or part of a day. What does that show you about their sleep? Very deep sleep. Has it ever happened with you that you sleep at night and then you wake up and you feel like you just slept? You just slept. And it's been seven hours that you were sleeping, six hours that you were sleeping. You didn't even know the whole night just went by so quickly because you were really deep in your sleep. So likewise, they slept for 300 plus years. However, when they woke up, they could only estimate that they were sleeping for a day or part of a day. So when they couldn't figure out how long they were sleeping for, قَالُوا they said, رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمْ Your Lord knows best. بِمَا لَبِسْتُمْ Of how long you remained. Meaning in this cave, how long you've been sleeping. In other words, what are they saying? Allah knows best. Meaning forget about it. How long we slept? Who cares? What does it matter? We slept, now we're awake, alhamdulillah, let's worry about what we have to do now. And this shows us something very interesting about these men. That how, if there was something they couldn't figure out, they didn't dwell over it, they moved on from it. Because there's no point dwelling on things that you cannot find an answer to. You know, if you can find an answer to it, you can find the solution, good, discuss it, find out, research. But when you cannot, then what's best? Save your time and move on. So likewise I said, رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُوا بِمَا لَبِسْتُمْ فَبَعَثُوا So now send أَحَذَكُمْ one of you بِوَرِقِكُمْ with your silver coin. هَذِهِ this. It shows they had money. They didn't leave their homes empty-handed. They took something with them. You know, I find this very interesting. They had money. They took money with them. They slept with their money. I mean, they weren't just men who were you know, working very emotionally. Leave everything to Allah. Allah will take care of us. Don't care about anything. No. They make a proper plan. We'll go to the cave. They take their money with them. And then when they wake up, they say, we need food. They don't just say, Ya Allah, please send your angels with food. No, they say, فَبَعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ One of you, meaning one of us, should get up and go to the city with this money, and buy food. They're not saying, oh, they're kafir people anyway, go steal some food. What are they saying? Take money and buy food. Buy food. Purchase it. Legally acquire it. Don't steal it. Wariq from the root letters, wawraqaf is used for silver coin. فَلْيَنظُرْ And when this 
person, one of us, one of the seven men, when he goes to the city to buy food, فَلْيَنظُرْ Then he should look for أَيُّهَا Which of it, meaning which of its people, is أَزْكَى طَعَامًا Is purest in food. Meaning which person gives the most pure food. Buy food from him. So what were they looking for? Just anything to fill their stomachs with? What were they looking for? أَزْكَى The purest food that they could find. The thing is that food is a need. And food is something that we cannot leave. We can't live without it. But what you eat defines you. What you eat matters a lot. Many times when a person becomes you know, more focused on the akhirah, he thinks, oh, I don't need to care about my diet. I don't need to care about my food. Just eat anything. Just put anything in my stomach. Even if I have good food available to me, you know, I'll be more pious here and not waste my time on eating good food. No, you're not wasting your time on eating good food. If you're f- looking for good, healthy options, you spend money on it, you spend time, you know, finding the best option for yourself. When they were seeking the best food, remember they were not wasting their time because when you are looking for the best option available and you feed your body the purest food, what are you doing? Are you doing your body a favor? Yes. Will you have better strength? Yes. Will you have more energy? Yes. So, you know, in a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said that religion is very easy. And whoever overburdens himself in his religion will not be able to continue in that way. So sometimes what happens is that in the morning when we leave, we don't have any breakfast. And we say, you know, whatever I'll find, I'll just eat it. And you come to school and you find some white bread and you just put that in your body. And then you become sleepy. And then what happens at lunchtime? You say, oh, I don't have any proper lunch. I'll just have pizza. And then you have more pizza. What nutritional value does it have? Tell me. The croissant that you had in the morning in a rush and that pizza that you're having, what are you eating? Bread, carbs, pure carbs. And even that is what? White bread, which the Prophet ﷺ told us not to have. You know that? Yes. In a hadith, the Prophet ﷺ advised a companion to not have bread that is made from refined flour. Refined as in that from which all the husk has been removed. So the Prophet ﷺ told him not to do that. Now it's understood if it's once in a while, but every day, every week, you're not eating anything proper and you're just filling your body with garbage. Garbage upon garbage. And then you wonder why my health is so bad. Why do I feel sleepy and why don't I have energy? And why is my iron so low? Because you're not eating properly. Eat properly. It's a priority. Look at these men. They're hiding in the cave to save their life. And what are they concerned about? Eating good food. Eating proper food. It is important. And then also remember that when you're living in a non-Muslim land, like these people, they were getting their food from a non-Muslim land, right? What are they looking for? The purest option available. The purest, meaning the most halal option available. So they looked for the halal option. And likewise, we must also do our best to find the most halal option. Don't just say, everything is okay, I'll just say bismillah, whatever. No. Look for the most halal option. So, فَلْيَنظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِرِزْقٍ مِّنْهُ 
then he should bring food from the city. وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ And he should be careful. وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا And no one should come to know about you. Meaning, be very careful. This word, وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ is from the root letters, لَامْ طَافَ تَلَطُّفْ تَلَطُّفْ is to be very careful. To be secret. To quietly do something in a very subtle way so that nobody finds out about it. One of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Latif. Why? Because He executes His plans in such a way that a person does not even realize. And where is this name mentioned? In which story? Surah Yusuf. Remember? إِنَّ رَبِّي لَطِيفٌ لِمَا So, وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ He should be careful, quietly, meaning don't attract unnecessary attention. Isn't this interesting? That you're going in the midst of your enemy, go very carefully, be alert, don't attract unnecessary attention. And talattuf, secondly, also means to be kind, to be good and pleasant, to be generous. Meaning, he should be polite and civil, don't be rude, don't be offensive, because then you'll get yourself in trouble. What do we think? Getting yourself in trouble is cool. Right? So when you're going to the airport and they ask you some questions and you say, yeah, you know, I'm going to blow up the plane. You say something like that and you look so cool. But you know what? You're going to be in a lot of trouble if you say something like that. Don't try to be cool there. Don't try to attract unnecessary attention. And be polite. Even when you're dealing with non-Muslims. Be polite. Be civil. Interact in an honest way. I mean, think about how you're talking. Think about how you're standing. Think about how you're dealing with the other person. I mean, sometimes it's amazing how we forget about all our manners when we're in public. The loudest kids will be whose? Ours. If you find people arguing or shouting, sometimes you turn around and who do you see? I don't need to say who. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Be extra polite. Be extra courteous. Be extra nice. وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا And don't let anyone find out about you. Meaning, as to where you're hiding. Don't let anyone follow you. Where you are in the cave. Don't let anybody find out about that. Why? Because إِنَّهُمْ Indeed, these people, our nation, إِنْ عَلَيْكُمْ If they come to know of you. And ظَهَرَ also means to gain dominance. Meaning, if they come to know about your whereabouts and they gain dominance over you, if they capture you, what are they going to do? Yarjumukum. They're going to stone you to death. From rajum. Raji meem. To stone someone to death. Meaning they're going to kill you. Aw yu'idukum. Or they're going to return you. Aada yu'udu. To return. Meaning they're going to force you to return. Fi millatihim. In their nation. In their religion. And if you return, walan tuflihu idan abada then you shall never ever succeed if you return to your old ways. So what are they saying? That use every possible way to protect yourself from the enemy. What does this ayah teach us? That it is not allowed for a believer to put himself in unnecessary hardship. You're not supposed to put yourself in trouble. You should protect yourself from trouble. You should not put yourself in the mouth of death. Playing with your life, this is not bravery. Playing with your 
reputation, this is not bravery. And this is the reason why majority of the ulama, what do they say? You know, doing something like suicide bombing even, this is not bravery, this is not shahada. Because you're causing more trouble. And you are killing yourself. Because there's no chance of survival. You're not allowed to kill yourself. Allah says, لَا تَقْتُلُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ The Prophet ﷺ also said, that if a person kills himself, then he will continue to do that until the day of judgment. Meaning if he stabs himself with a knife, with a dagger, then he will continue to do that in the barzakh, until the day of judgment. Imagine in constant pain. It's a major sin. And people argue that, no, no, for the cause of Islam, go blow yourself up. No. And they will get evidences like, you know, for example, one of the companions when the Sahaba had laid siege around a particular city, one of the Sahaba said, throw me over the wall. Throw me over the wall so I can go in and open the gates of the city. So they said, oh look, he basically said, kill me, because throwing him in was killing him. No, there was a chance of survival. There was a chance of survival. But if a person ties bombs around his body, is there a chance of survival? No. This is killing yourself. This is not martyrdom. This is killing yourself. And you're not allowed to do that. Look at the care that these people are taking. We have to avoid conflict. We have to preserve our life. Because to live and worship Allah is also good. We think dying for Allah is good. Living for Allah is even harder. Living for Allah is even harder. But we want the easy way out. So they say, وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا Don't let anyone find out about you. You see, Ibrahim salam's nation, when they threatened him, what did he do? He migrated. Musa salam, when he found out that people were planning to kill him, what did he do? He left Egypt and he went to Madian. Remember when he accidentally murdered someone? The Prophet ﷺ also migrated. So this is the reason why it's best to avoid, it's best to keep yourself safe and not throw yourself in harm, in danger. Throwing yourself in danger, in trouble is not being brave. So what happened? These people were trying to hide themselves to the best of their ability. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala exposed them. وَكَذَلِكَ أَعْثَرْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ And thus, similarly, we caused them to be found. Allah made them sleep, Allah made them wake up, and Allah caused them to be discovered. أَعْثَرْنَا from ثَارَى عُثُورُ Ruthur is to come across something. And it's basically to come to know of something by chance. You weren't looking for it, but you just found it by chance. You know, for instance, you lose a card. And what happens? You're going through your drawer one day, thinking I should better clean it, and then by chance you find that card after three months. This is what? Ruthur. So the people of the city were not looking for these seven men. But they found them. أَعْثَمْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ لِيَعْلَمُوا So that the people would know أَنَّ وَعْدَ اللَّهِ حَقٌّ That indeed the promise of Allah is true. Which promise? Which promise? Resurrection. That if Allah can cause someone to sleep for 300 years, and cause them to wake up perfectly fine, then when people die, can Allah not raise them back to life? Of course He can. And also the promise over here refers to the promise of Allah's help. People would realize that Allah's promise is true. وَأَنَّ السَّاعَةَ And indeed the hour, لَا رَيْبَ فِيهَا There is no doubt about it. 
It's definitely coming. When would the people realize this? When would the people come to know of this? إِذْ يَتَنَازَعُونَ بَيْنَهُمْ أَمْرَهُمْ When they were arguing between themselves about their affair. Whose affair? The affair of these seven men. Because the thing is that when one of them, one of the seven men, he went to the city to buy food, obviously he realized things had changed. And remember I mentioned to you that these men had embraced, had accepted the teachings of Isa a.s. And at that time there was no shirk. The teachings were still very pure in their original form. And the king was a Roman king. And the religion was of shirk. And anyone who believed in the message of Isa a.s. was to be killed. So these men, they escaped. They slept in the cave for 300 years. When they woke up, one of them, he went to the city and he saw, everybody is different. Everything is different. Everything is changed. And in those 300 years, what happened was that now the Romans were actually Christians. All of them had embraced the religion of Isa a.s. So what does it show? Allah's promise is true. Allah helps His servants. Allah helps His servants. For 300 years they were kept away from all of this trouble. And meanwhile what happened? Everybody changed. The whole society was changed. So one of the seven men, I'm sure he must have gone back or something, and the rest of the men came. And Allahu A'lam, when they died their natural deaths, either soon after they were discovered or years later, Allahu A'lam, but whenever they died, what happened? The people of the city, they began to dispute amongst themselves. Regarding who? Regarding these seven men. That what should we do about their graves? We don't want them to be forgotten. That yes, now they've died and now we've buried them, but we want them to be remembered. And remember that the followers of Isa a.s. they did not have much knowledge. And this is the reason why they deviated very quickly. A lot of wrong things entered into the religion. Shirk, as well as many other things. So some of the people they said, فَقَالُوا So they said, أُبْنُوا عَلَيْهِمْ Construct over them, meaning over their graves, بُنْيَانَ a building. Build a monument, a structure over their graves so that they're remembered. رَبُّهُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِهِمْ Their Lord knows best about them. Meaning, Allah knows best about their whole story. This is what the people said. قَالَ الَّذِينَ غَلَبُوا Those people who were dominant عَلَىٰ أَمْرِهِمْ Over their affair. Whose affair? The affair of these seven men. They said, لَنَتَّخِذَنَّ عَلَيْهِمْ Surely we're definitely going to make over them, meaning over their graves, masjidan, a masjid, a place of prayer. They said, we're not just going to make a monument over their graves, we're going to make a mosque, a place where people can come and worship God. And they can, you know, seek blessing from these seven sleepers and take barakah and so on and so forth. Now, was this correct? This wasn't correct. Alright? Because the Prophet ﷺ said that beware of those who preceded you and used to take the graves of their prophets and righteous men as places of worship. Beware. Don't do the same thing. You must not take graves as mosques. Don't convert graves into masajid. I forbid you to do that. The Prophet ﷺ close to his death, he said, May Allah curse the Jews and Christians for they have taken the graves of their prophets as places of worship. So taking the grave as a place of worship, this is something that is not allowed. However, people after them did that. Why? Because the religion was corrupted. It was changed. Now, the following ayat talk about the number of those men. How many were they? The differences that people have. So far, what do we learn? 
when people did meet them after 300 years, when they were discovered, what happened? I just told you what happened. Answer me. I want to make sure that you actually understood. Did they die immediately? The Ashab Al-Kahf? They died many years later? Allah knows best. But the people of the city, they came in contact with the seven sleepers. Alright? And when they did, they came to know about their story. That, oh, these men slept 300 years ago. So they're the men who were living at that time. At the time of that king. That was ages ago. And you see, the people of that time, they had, like I mentioned, the religion had been corrupted. And one of the main problems they were having in their aqidah was that belief in the akhirah was not correct anymore. Some people said there will be resurrection, but there's no eternity. And others said there's no resurrection. So they had problems in their aqidah also. So when they saw these seven people waking up after 300 years, what did they realize? Can Allah resurrect? Even the body? Yes, He can. So there were numerous benefits in this incident. First of all, these men, their lives were spared. Then, secondly, people's aqidah was corrected. Thirdly, another benefit was that people came to realize that Allah's promise is true. Which promise? Promise of helping His servants, giving victory to His servants. Those who try to be firm, then Allah will protect them. Allah will preserve their faith. What other lessons do we learn from their story? Come on, tell me so that you can go. I'm not letting you go. Yes. Okay. I mean, the whole story, it began with what? That Allah can do amazing things. Amazing things. This is unusual, extraordinary, but don't think this is all. There's more that Allah can do. There's more help that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can give you. But for that, do you need to do something? What do you need to do? Take the first step. Remain firm. And Allah will show you the way. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala show all of us the way. Recitation. وَتَحْسَبُهُمْ أَيْقَاظًا وَهُمْ رُقُودًا وَنُقَلِّبُهُمْ ذَاتَ الْيَمِينِ وَذَاتَ الشِّمَالِ وَكَلْبُهُمْ بَاسِطٌ ذِرَاعَيْهِ بِالْوَصِيدِ لَوْ اطَّلَعْتَ عَلَيْهِمْ لَوَلَّيْتَ مِنْهُمْ فِرَارًا وَلَمُلِئْتَ مِنْهُمْ رُعْبًا وَكَذَلِكَ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ لِيَتَسَاءَلُوا بَيْنَهُمْ قَالَ قَائِلٌ مِّنْهُمْ كَمْ لَبِثْتُمْ قَالُوا لَبِثْنَا يَوْمًا أَوْ بَعْضَ يَوْمٍ قَالُوا رَبُّكُمْ أَعْلَمُ بِمَا لَبِثْتُمْ فَبَعَثُوا أَحَدَكُمْ بِوَرِقِكُمْ هَذِهِ إِلَى الْمَدِينَةِ فَلْيَنْظُرْ فَلْيَنْظُرْ أَيُّهَا أَزْكَى طَعَامًا فَلْيَأْتِكُمْ بِرِزْقٍ مِّنْهُ وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ وَلْيَتَلَطَّفْ وَلَا يُشْعِرَنَّ بِكُمْ أَحَدًا إِنَّهُمْ إِنْ يَظْهَرُوا عَلَيْكُمْ يَرْجُمُوكُمْ أَوْ يُعِيدُوكُمْ فِي مِلَّتِهِمْ وَلَنْ تُفْلِحُوا إِذًا أَبَدًا 